Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport, December 7. Barry Ferguson admits to VAR U-turn. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers hero Barry Ferguson has admitted he is now in favour of VAR. The Aloha manager has previously spoken out about his feelings against the technology, having watched its implementation in the Premier League over recent years. A series of incidents have occurred this season where the consensus is that VAR would have helped to solve the situation. From offsides and diving to penalty incidents and poor tackling, referees could do with the additional help. As a result, the former Ibrox skipper reckons he was wrong to be sceptical about VAR, and he wants to see Scotland's top clubs stump up the cash to bring the technology to the Premiership. He told Go Radio's football show, I watched the Aston Villa game yesterday, where there was the incident with Kasper Smeichel. That was done and dusted within a minute or so. Previous to that, it may have taken three or four minutes. But the referee decided to go over to the screen and made the call. That was it. Over and done with. We need to get it in as quickly as possible up here. I wasn't too sure at the start. But the more I'm thinking about it, with some of the things that are happening in our game, we need to get it in quickly. It's going to come down to finance. Does Scottish football have the money to do it? We need to get it in somehow. I feel sorry for referees. They have a split second to make decisions. It's okay for us watching it with replays. They need help and they need it quickly. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, December 7. Paul Gascoigne reveals his Ibrooks regret and Walter Smith admiration. Report by Chris Jack. Paul Gascoigne has revealed one of his greatest regrets in life was leaving Rangers as he expressed his admiration for former Ibrox boss Walter Smith. The Englishman became a hero to supporters during his short but successful stint in Glasgow, before he moved to join Middlesbrough in 1998. Gaza played an integral role in helping Smith's side clinch nine in a row, as his mercurial talents saw him light up Scottish football and make headlines on the front and back pages. And he admits his time in light blue allowed him to rediscover his love for the game 
after clinching a multi-million deal to leave Italian giants Lazio. Gascoigne told the Rangers Museum Lotto website, Great memories. I loved it. People ask me if I have any regrets in life, and one of them was leaving this club. I have so many great memories of my time at Rangers, like winning nine in a row. I always get emotional when I walk into the main stand. I still get a lump in my throat when I come back to Ibrox. Those were the days. When you come up here, it is something different. I was in holiday in Tampa once, and I saw Walter Smith and said to my wife at the time that I would love to play for him one day. I remember Terry Butcher told me years ago not to mock Scottish football until I tried it, and he was right. When I was leaving Lazio, Dino Zoff told me Chelsea, Aston Villa and Rangers were in for me. I told him I didn't want to sign for Queen's Park Rangers, but he said it was Glasgow Rangers, and that was it. I said get them over straight away. When I spoke to Walter, he asked me what I was missing in football, and I told him it was playing with a smile on my face. I wasn't getting that in Italy, and he told me I would get that here, and he was spot on. When I signed, I had blonde hair, and Rangers fans had turned up with their hair dyed blonde. I never thought I would see anything like I did when at the airport when I signed for Lazio, as there were so many fans there. But the reaction at Rangers was incredible. I love playing for Rangers. Report by Chris Jack. Evening Time Sports, December 7. James Dornan urges Celtic fans to ditch chance of hate amid Chris Boyd abuse. Report by Ewan Payton. Glasgow MSP James Dornan has urged Celtic supporters to stop singing chants of hate towards Chris Boyd. Sky Sports were forced to apologise during their pre-match coverage of Dundee United and Celtic after Boyd was targeted with sectarian abuse. In a series of tweets, the politician criticised a group of Celtic fans over a couple of issues. Firstly, he provided his thoughts on the topic of reunification in Ireland. He then moved on to slam the sectarian bile directed at ex-ranger striker Boyd at Sunday's game at Tannadice. He took to social media. I am loving watching Celtic FC just now. Exciting team and a manager who wants the game played with speed and ingenuity. So what can spoil it? A small but vocal group of fans, that's what. For the last few weeks, listening to Celtic at away games has been embarrassing. Celtic are a Scottish team with a proud Irish background, something we should be happy to celebrate. However, we are not the sporting division of Ireland's struggle for reunification which I believe in, but is for the Irish to decide, and will be a political, not sporting decision. And seriously, 
What was that sectarian bile towards Chris Boyd about? I know he's an ex-Rangers player, but in no way does that, or anything else, justify those disgraceful chants towards him. We can't accuse others of religious hatred if we are doing the same thing. Also, how does this do anything to support the team? It seems to me that there's a group of supporters who think they are the entertainment and arbiters of what makes a good Celtic supporter. Let's rally round the boys and stop singing IRA songs and chants of hate. Hail, hail. Boyd responded to the sickening songs immediately. He said, It is nice to see my supporters club are in today. I am really enjoying it. Presenter Mark Benstead then said, Apologies if you can pick up any bad language behind us at the moment. Boyd then laughed off the chants, adding, I am causing them more problems right now than when I played. They never used to sing about me when I played against them. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, December 7. Nick Roger says, Throw away the book for true test of skill and nerve. Have you ever had a read at some of the stuff cobbled together by the Global Odds Index? It's an organisation that examines all sorts of probabilities in life, from winning the lottery or getting struck by lightning to the chances of you understanding what the dickens I'm prattling on about in the Tuesday column. According to findings in the latest study by the global What's the Chops, the odds of a Brazilian male becoming a professional golfer are 1 in 7.7 .7 million. About the same then of a reader. Yes, a reader like you with that increasingly glazed look getting to the bottom of this ruddy page. So let's crack on. The odds are stacked against us. We'll start with green reading books. Watching certain modern day professionals examining the line of a putt with one of those highly detailed compendiums is broadly equivalent to peering at someone scrutinizing a particularly intrepid diagram of techniques in the Kama Sutra. They'll study the myriad slopes curves and borrows of the putting service while contorting themselves into various positions for a better view during an elaborate and tiresome process which often ends in the sighing, eye-rolling, anti-climax of it being left woefully short. Now there's a colourful description of a tricky 15-footer that really should be read after the watershed. The other day, golf's governing bodies, the R&D and the USGA, unveiled a model local rule to further reduce the use of green reading paraphernalia at the highest level of competitive goal. The rule MLRG11, 
which admittedly looks like a personalised number plate you'd see on a swanky car parked outside the R&A clubhouse will, as of January 1, 2022, enable a committee to establish an officially approved yardage book for a competition so that the diagrams of greens show only minimal detail. In addition, the local rule limits the handwritten notes that players and caddies are allowed to add to the approved yardage book. The purpose? To ensure that players and caddies use only their eyes and feel to help them read the line of play on the putting green. Now there's another idea. Getting a small ball to disappear down a hole has been the bane of many a golfing life through the ages. The mighty old Tom Morris, for instance, was so renowned for his putting woes, a letter sent back in the day simply addressed, the misser of short putts Presswick was delivered straight to him by the postman. And what was it Tony Lima once uttered about the putter? Here is an instrument of torture, designed by Tantalus and forged in the devil's own smithy, he said. Putting has always been the ultimate test of nerve and skill. For those of us of a more old-fangled approach, watching golfers consulting some kind of ordnance survey map on the green, while embroiled in an extravagant, time-consuming pre-putt routine that resembles the complex mating rituals of the greater Sage Grouse, tends to grind the teeth. In an age when craft, feel and instinct can be sacrificed on the altar of advancements in aids and accoutrements, players will always use something or other in an effort to gain an advantage if someone else is using the same something or other. The more that's available, the more they'll add to the armoury. It's in a golfer's nature. On a slight detour from the topic, I remember nipping along one year to a World Hickory Open at Craigie Law, and some of Scotland's up-and-coming pros and amateurs who were competing revelled in the opportunity of playing with just five clubs and no assistance from stroke savers, course guides or any other visual aids. The senses were roused and they relied on sheer golf intuition. Amid the general clutter of thoughts and processes that can make this such a mind-mangling game, sometimes less is more. As for their green books, I use a green book, but I'd like to get rid of them, admitted Rory McIlroy early in the season. For the greater good of the game, I'd like to see them outlawed and for them not to be used anymore. McElroy and others may get their wish. And another thing, nothing gets you into the Christmas spirit quite like a leaf through the R&A and European Golf Association's European Golf Participation Report. In a wide and varied look at the general health of the game in this part of the world, the report released last week showed that participation across the continent 
grew from 7.9 million in 2016 to 10.6 million now. It's a healthy looking scene with golf finding a silver lining amid the dark clouds of the coronavirus pandemic. There's always room for improvement though. Closer to home for instance, Scotland sits in the bottom seven in the table for the number of registered female golfers. That figure is 14% of the golfing population compared to 38% in Austria. On the junior front, that figure is 9%, with Azerbaijan leading the way at 58%. Golf in the game's cradle has been hamstrung by self-imposed millstones and stifling attitudes to juniors and women down the years. Things have changed for the better, and there is some terrific work being done. The latest figures show that there's plenty of work still to do says Nick Roger. Evening Time Sport, December 8. Michael Beale provides Rangers helping hand. Report by Aidan Smith. Rangers Head of Academy, Craig Mulholland, has revealed that Michael Beale played a key role in bringing Zeb Jacobs to Ibrox. Jacobs was announced today as Rangers' new Head of Academy coaching and he will take on the role from January 2022. Mulholland and Sporting Director Ross Wilson headed the mission to land Jacobs for the role, but it has been revealed that former Ibrox coach Beale was also involved in the process. Beale departed Ibrox with Stephen Gerrard last month as the pair linked up with Aston Villa in the Premier League. Mulholland explained, We are delighted to welcome Zeb to Rangers. Ross and myself, with the assistance of Michael Beale, set out to identify a modern and innovative coach and coach educator who pushes boundaries, thinks differently, and would be pivotal in helping us create Rangers players who can excel in the future game. We spoke with several coaches across Europe before ultimately choosing Zeb, as we believe his understanding of how young people learn and his creative teaching methodologies will allow us to develop coaches and curriculums. This will result in exciting, creative, one-against-one dominant players forming a Rangers identity. This appointment is one of the next steps in an exciting evolution of our academy. We felt it was important that in order to produce more Nathan Pattersons and to deliver on a new aspirational strategy, we identified someone who excited us and matched our clear vision. We look forward to Zeb starting in the new year and inspiring our excellent staff and talented players in the academy. Jacobs joins from Royal Antwerp FC, where he was talent coordinator and head of development in the Belgian academy. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport, December 8. Scottish Premiership duo I move for Jamie Walker of Hearts. 
Report by Aidan Smith. Hearts attacker Jamie Walker looks set to depart Tynecastle in January, with St Johnston and Livingston set to pounce for his signature. Walker has made just two Premiership appearances this campaign and is keen to find more game time away from Gorgie. The ex-Wigan man is out of contract in the summer, so a loan move is likely in January, ahead of a possible permanent switch later next year. St Johnson are looking to add to their attacking ranks, since goals have been a major problem for Callum Davison's side. Walker could provide a spark and creativity from midfield that Perth fans have been looking for in the past few weeks. Edinburgh Evening News say Walker is open to leaving Tynecastle and that both Saints and Livy have made approaches to the capital city outfit. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport, December 8. Former Celtic boss Lennon could be set for managerial return. Report by Aidan Smith. Neil Lennon could be set for a return to management with Ipswich Town searching for a new manager. The Blues parted company with Paul Cook at the weekend and have placed John McGrail in interim charge. Now the Daily Mirror report that Lennon could be set to replace Cook at the Portman Road Stadium as he eyes a return to management. Mark Bircham and Neil Harris are currently the favourites for the Ipswich gig in the bookies market, while Lennon is priced at 33-1. to 1. The former Celtic and Hibs gaffer has been out of football since he departed Parkhead in February, but he is keen to get back into management as soon as possible. Lennon was previously linked with the Irish managerial post as pressure mounted on Stephen Kenny. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Time Sport, December 8 Van Bronckhorst makes squad promise on eve of Lyon showdown Report by Christopher Jack Giovanni Van Bronckhorst will use Rangers Europa League dead rubber with Lyon to give his fringe players a chance to impress on Thursday night The champions will make the trip to France without defender Leon Balogan as he continues his recovery from the knock that has kept him out of action since the defeat to Hibs last month. And the Group A fixture will give boss Van Bronckhorst a chance to mix and match his starting lineup as he aims for another victory on the eve of the Premiership clash with Hearts this weekend. That Tynecastle showdown carries greater significance for Rangers in the grand scheme of things and Van Brockhorst will make the most of the opportunity to give players a run out as the likes of Nathan Patterson, John Lundstrom and Kemar Roof bid for a starting jersey. Van Bronckhorst said, Regarding the game, we are going to watch closely the physical state of my players and it is also a game where I can change some positions to give the players some minutes who need that. I am more than comfortable to do so and to get a good game on Thursday evening. 
For the players who come in, it's always good to have minutes. One of the downsides of being a coach with a big squad, and also a squad with good players, is that you have to disappoint players in every game. That's something that's not easy to do, but you have to do it. So when you have the chance to give those players a chance to play, it's always good. It's a nice feeling. And for the players as well, because some players didn't play as much in the last weeks, but they gave everything in training and their mentality was really good. So I am very pleased to give some players minutes. Report by Christopher Jack. Evening Times Sport, December 8. Van Bronckhorst reveals defensive injury blow ahead of Leon Tripp. Report by Chris Jack. Leon Balogan will not travel to Leon for Rangers final Europa League group stage fixture tomorrow night. The defender has yet to feature for new boss Giovanni Van Bronckhorst after limping out of the Premier Sports Cup defeat to Hibs last month. Balogan will not be part of the light blue squad for the Leon clash as Van Bronckhorst aims to make it five wins from five games since replacing Steven Gerrard at Ibrox. And the Dutchman admits he is likely to make changes to his side as he keeps one eye on the crucial Premiership showdown with Hearts this weekend. Van Bronckhorst said, Regarding the team news, I think Leon Balogan cannot travel. We still have a training left and so far we have everyone on board. We just have to wait until after the training before I can announce my squad. Regarding the game, we are going to watch closely the physical state of my players and it is also a game where I can change some positions to give the players some minutes who need that. I am more than comfortable to do so and to get a good game tomorrow evening. Report by Chris Jack. Evening Times Sport, December 8. Rangers Van Bronckhorst expresses fans hope ahead of Leon clash. Report by Chris Jack. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst hopes Rangers will still be cheered on by a reduced travelling support when his side face Leon. The champions will round off their Group A campaign against the side that are already confirmed to finish ahead of them going into match day 6. Van Bronckhorst guided Rangers into the knockout rounds with victory over Sparta Prague and he is now aiming for a fifth successive win since replacing Steven Gerrard at Ibrox. But the task will be made more difficult in the Gurupama Stadium after a farcical week that left Rangers supporters in limbo over their travel plans to France. Rangers confirmed on Monday that, after discussions with police and local authorities, fans would not be permitted to head to Lyon in the following days. But that advice was reversed just 24 hours later as the club and hundreds of supporters were left angry, bemused and out of pocket having already cancelled their flights and accommodation bookings. Van Bronckhorst's side could still have the backing of a small away crowd 
but the Dutchman has expressed his sympathy for the situation that has denied many their chance to see Rangers in Europa League action. Van Bronckhorst said, My first experience of the Rangers fans was back in 1998, when we had the first game away against Shelbourne. The huge support we had, for me, was something different. I know how the fans are. They want to travel with the team and support us. It is very important for us that we have our fans behind us every game. So I can imagine it's not easy for the fans to be left in the dark the last couple of days because you want to know what's happening. One day they can travel, one day they have to stay, then the same day later on they can travel. It's not easy. But I hugely respect their presence in the stadium, so hopefully the fans who wanted to go to Leon can still go and give us the support we need and appreciate. Report by Chris Jack. Evening Times Sport, December 9. Dundee United's Callum Butcher hit with three-game ban. Report by David Irvin. Callum Butcher has been hit with a three-match ban for his leg-breaker tackle on Celtic star David Turnbull. The Dundee United midfielder was cautioned by referee Don Robertson during the 3-0 loss to Celtic, but has now been banned retrospectively. Butcher was only on the pitch for nine minutes before slamming into Turnbull with the high tackle that caught the Celtic midfielder below the knee. The challenge has been criticised in the media, with former referee Dermot Gallagher insisting Butcher should have been sent off and former Liverpool ace Stephen Warnock branding it a leg breaker. Butcher had just returned from a two-match suspension and will now be out for three matches after the SFA ruling. The fast-track hearing over the incident was scheduled for Thursday, December 9, but has been cancelled with this charge admitted. It means he will now serve a three-match ban, meaning he'll miss clashes against Livingston, Rangers and Hibs. The SFA charge had read, Disciplinary Rule 200, where it is established that a player has committed any one or more of the following sending off offences during a match. Any fast-track notice of complaint alleging a breach of this rule shall be determined by a fast-track tribunal subject to the provisions of Section 13. And the disciplinary hearing outcome read, admitted, too much mandatory suspension effective immediately to the players recognised team's next two matches, irrespective of competition. Thereafter, one SPFL first team league match suspension becomes effective on the 14th day following the date of the Dundee United vs Celtic match on 5 December, in accordance with judicial panel protocol. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, December 9 Rangers fans cannot dismiss Dave King fears or blow chance to increase Ibrox stake, says Chris Jack. Fool me once, 
shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If there is any support in the game that should be wary of the future and learn lessons from the past, it is the one which fills eyebrows and that cheers rangers on from near and far every week. The reasons, of course, are clear and still painfully prevalent in the mind. Fans should need no reminding of the events of the last decade, of the hurt and anguish, the anger and the uncertainty, as they came perilously close to losing the club that bonds them together. Events of today and aspirations for tomorrow should never be used as an excuse to forget the trials and tribulations of yesterday, but there is a sense among some supporters that the dark times will never return now that they have reached the light at the end of the tunnel. Without that loyal, dedicated fan base, Rangers would never have started out on the journey in 2012. Without Dave King, the club would never have completed it in May. As many have moved to dismiss and disparage King and his comments online in recent days, they would do well to remember just what the former chairman has done for them and what he is seeking to do for them once again. Time will tell whether his shared deal with a potential £13 million with Club 1872 ever achieves its goal and whether the Rangers' support have the opportunity to hold a meaningful stake in the club. The merits of paying King for his shares and the operation of Club 1872 itself are often debated. What can never be questioned though is the sense in and the requirement for fans having their voice heard at Ibrooks. There is simply no negative to that scenario and Rangers supporters should appreciate more than anyone else just what a controlling state could have done and now would do for the club. This is their chance, perhaps their only one ever and it is in danger of being undermined from within. If King wishes to recoup some of the funds he has invested into Rangers over the years, then that is his prerogative. Indeed, it is no surprise that he has an exit plan and his shares will be safe in the hands of supporters if his blueprint comes to fruition. Every major shareholder must have their own variation in their head. Whether that be to sell up or to pass their stake on, it would be folly if the biggest players had not considered their options for the future. If fans can hold 25% of the shareholding, those others' moves would not be as defining for Rangers. If they don't, there will always be the fear that a couple of wrong sales or misjudged deals could see history repeat itself at Ibrox. The progress made on and off the park in recent years has seen approval ratings for directors and staff rocket amongst the rank and file, but nothing stays the same forever and those same fans cannot afford to miss the opportunity 
to protect rangers for generations to come. If they do, they can't say they have not been warned. In a series of interviews this week, King addressed his deep concerns over the now non-existent relationship between Rangers and Club 1872. Since King stepped down as chairman last March, the bonds have perhaps been broken beyond repair and questions raised by the organisation regarding Rangers' relationship with Sports Direct were not the only flashpoints. King would speak of the organisation, which holds a 4.71% stake in RIFC PLC, as being marginalised by the club and their officers unfairly subjected to a coordinated attack during a tumultuous period that saw an attempted board coup repelled by the current incumbents earlier this year. Crucially, King believes it has left fans with no avenue to challenge Rangers as he criticised the club's unwarranted unilateral withdrawal from its relationship with Club 1872. Rather than take on board his messages, many would criticise the mediums by which King conveyed his thoughts. Quite simply, that missed the point spectacularly. If fans are not going to listen to King, then whose words will they respect? He is the man that united a support, but comments towards him on social media and forums showed scant understanding or acknowledgement of his concerns. In a public example of his misgivings about aspects of Rangers right now, King would vote against the re-election of Graham Park at the annual general meeting last Tuesday. His 15.45% stake was never going to be enough to deny Park, the son of Chairman Douglas Park, his seat on the board, but it was a sign of King's unease at Ibrook's affairs. I had a fiduciary duty to vote my shares in what I consider to be in the best interests of myself and my fellow shareholders, King said, regarding his decision to vote against Park's reappointment to the board, a move that was revealed by Time Sport. I also believe that I have a continuing moral obligation to consider the interest of supporters at all times. I have voted in accordance with the knowledge that I have. King's next steps will be telling. He is a man that plays the long game, that always has his moves planned like a chess player. His worries ultimately may not be shared by supporters, but he has earned the right for them to be listened to. Fans need not pick a side here, and criticism and questioning should never be shut down or viewed as a negative at eyebrows. Whatever the personality clashes or the disagreements over how business is conducted, the betterment and security of Rangers must always be sacrosanct and the priority for those that are the custodians of the institution. 
History should never be allowed to repeat itself. If fans blithely dismiss King and squander their opportunity to preserve Rangers, then they will be the fools this time around, says Chris Jack. Evening Time Sport, December 9. Next Hibs manager odds revealed. Report by David Irvin. Jack Ross was today revealed of his duties as Hibbs boss with the search for the next manager set to begin. Club legend David Gray has been placed in charge as caretaker for the foreseeable future, but odds have already been released for the next permanent boss. The varied candidate odds list on McBookie features some vastly experienced managers in Scottish football and some from down south. Topping the odds is former Hamilton, Norwich and Preston boss Alex Neil, who has been tipped for a return to Scotland. St Johnston boss Callum Davidson is priced at 5-1, alongside caretaker Gray and former Aberdeen boss Derek McInnes. Not far behind is St Mirren manager Jim Goodwin at 8-1 to, to make the move from Paisley to Edinburgh. Ex-Hibs bosses Alan Stubbs and Neil Lennon are also in the running, according to bookmakers at 12 to 1. Paul Lambert and Hibs Academy director Steve Keane are also priced at 12 to 1 to be next in the Easter Road dugout. Airdrie manager Ian Murray and Kelty Hearts boss Kevin Thompson, both former Hibs players, are listed as 14 to 1 shots. Further back in the odds list are Dundee boss James McPake and Aberdeen ace Scott Brown. Gordon Strachan is also priced for a return to management at 16 to 1, with Sean Maloney the same odds to take over the reins at Hibs. An English trio make up the rest of the candidates, priced at up to 20 to 1, with Neil Warnock. Saul Campbell and Steve Bruce backed as outsiders by punters. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, December 9. Japan FA Chief Aware of Celtic Transfer Talk. Report by David Irvin. Japanese football chief Koji Sorimachi has revealed he is aware of talks of Dazen Maeda and Rio Hatat making a move to Celtic. The head of the Japan FA admitted he's heard of discussions between the pair and Celtic as Japan announced their national team squad. Ange Postikoglu has been linked with moves for the pair as well as J-League ace Yosuke Ediguchi. And Sorimachi has discussed Maeda and Hatat's national team situation if they were to complete a deal to head to Glasgow. Japan named their side for a match against Uzbekistan in January, but no overseas players have been included due to Covid restrictions. Both Maeda and Hatat are currently set to feature but the Japan chief admitted they would drop out of the squad for domestic players if they moved to Celtic next month. He explained, 
I have heard that there are rumours of a transfer for those two. In that case, additional domestic players will be called up. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, December 9. Neil Lennon on sectarianism in Scotland. Report by David Irvin. Neil Lennon has openly spoken of his experience with sectarianism in Scotland and his experience of the brilliant Glasgow rivalry. The former Celtic boss had previously been under guard over threats of violence, been targeted with bomb threats and sent bullets in the post. Lennon has also been sent a death threat ahead of a match for Northern Ireland as a player, which led to his retirement from international football. But the former Celtic player and manager insisted he continued to push on despite the sectarian abuse from those with a distorted view. Explaining his outlook after suffering the abuse throughout his career, Lennon told ESPN, Over the years, I've never talked about politics. I've never talked about Ireland. I've never talked about religion. It's just all about football. I'm a football man, and I have been that since I was born. The one thing you wanted to do was prove you could be a success on and off the field, whether you were playing or managing. I remember going into Celtic, looking at the young players, kids from Honduras and South Korea, the Scottish, English and Welsh boys, really talented players from all over the world and thinking, I'm not giving this up. They've come here to play for you and they are giving you everything at the minute. I couldn't give that up for those who have a distorted view. Despite enduring difficult times when being targeted through sectarian abuse during his playing career, and the first time in the Celtic manager's hot, sheet, hot seat, Lennon explained he is not affected by the horror events now. And he went on to discuss his more positive experience in his second time as Celtic boss, as he saluted the intense football rivalry in Glasgow. He continued, There were no real issues with the sectarianism the second time around at Celtic, which is for the better, obviously. I started the nine in a row. We won nine in a row and the club won four trebles. I was part of the third and the fourth. It was inevitable that it was going to stop at some stage. It was impossible to keep that momentum of success going. The Glasgow rivalry is intense, but it is brilliant. It pushes you and turns you into a winner. I don't think that ever leaves you. Those values and lessons you learn stay with you for the rest of your life. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, December 9. Postikoglu defends Kyogo from play-acting accusations. Report by Graeme McGarry. Ange Postikoglu has defended Celtic striker Kyogo from accusations of play-acting, hitting back at courageous couch-sitting observers for their criticism of his player. The likes of former England Premier League referee Keith Hackett and former Rangers captain Barry Ferguson 
have weighed in on Kyogo's alleged antics after footage emerged of the forward going to ground under slight contact from John Souter in Celtic's recent win over Hearts. There was also criticism of the Japan international when he won a last-minute penalty against Livingston at Celtic Park by going down after Eyo Obelai had slapped him on the back of the head. But Postikoglu said that there is an agenda-driven narrative being formed around his striker when he was asked about such comments. Said Postikoglu, how do I answer this question now? It always amuses me when I hear these big brave warriors sitting on the sidelines judging guys like Kyogo, who's literally built like a jockey playing against guys who are six feet three, questioning his bravery or his courage in playing the game. Look, I haven't followed that narrative and it's not something I would be interested in having meaningful discussion about because it virtually is centred around ignorance and probably having an agenda. So I'm not going to go down that track. What I will say is I would be very surprised if any people who love football, irrespective of who they support, don't think Kyogo is great for this competition. He is certainly great for our football club. Our supporters love him, which is the most important thing, even for the competition. He's exciting to watch. I thought he was outstanding at the weekend, even if he didn't score. He's trying to improve every day. He's a great guy to have around. He's an absolute gentleman. And beyond that, I'm not brave enough to take on all these other big courageous couch-sitting observers of the game. Postikoglu says that Kyogo is fully aware that he will come in for physical attention from defenders, but he relishes such a challenge, he said. I'm sure the opposition will try to stop him, but I'd like to think they are doing that in legal ways. Kyogo doesn't expect to go out there and not get marked or not get attention, physical or otherwise. So that's no issue. I'm sure he's had that already. I don't think people have been ignoring him since day one. I mean, you can't ignore him because the first game he played in Europe, he scored a goal. But that's not an issue. This is not an on-field issue. This is an issue brought about by people who aren't actually out there. So for me, it's a non-issue. Meanwhile, Postikoglu was pleased to see Dundee United midfielder Callum Butcher being charged by the Scottish Football Association for his wild tackle on Celtic's David Turnbull in Sunday's match at Tannadice. Butcher was shown a yellow card for the offence at the time by referee Don Robertson, but he will now face a fast-track tribunal hearing today after being cited by SFA Compliance Officer Andrew Phillips. I think it's been addressed, which is the right thing to do. I think it's a simple, clear-cut case, he said. My view on these things has always been, and you guys will know this, 
that I don't go in after games and highlight things. Things that need to get addressed are addressed, and this is being addressed. The authorities will see with it as they see fit. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Times Sport, December 10 Three Celtic burning issues as Postacoglu's side win Real Betis Thriller. Report by Ewan Payton. Celtic squad depth. Ange Postacoglu made a clean sweep of changes to his Celtic starting 11 for this one. As you'd expect, some did better than others. However, although there was little to play for other than pride, and the small matter of an extra £500,000, the Aussies' makeshift team did him proud. There were plenty of positives out on the field. Liam Scales looks to be worth the weight at left back. A noticeable physical presence, with plenty of pace to bomb forward and take care of his defensive duties. Liam Shaw looked comfortable in midfield, and had one golden chance early in the match. Ismaila Sorrell also looked relatively convincing. Ange definitely has options to back up his usual first-team stars. Osasi Urhoghidi debut. The defender made his competitive debut for the club since signing from Sheffield Wednesday in the summer. The natural centre-half slotted in at right back for this one, with Tony Ralston still out through injury and Josip Juranovic dropping to the bench. He equipped himself OK and looks a fairly bright prospect. He made some interceptions during the first half, but did give up possession several times. Into the second half, and there still appeared to be nerves in his performance. He did burst forward well on a few occasions though, nearly setting up Kyogo. It remains to be seen what his future holds. Perhaps a January loan could be the best option at this stage of his development, with his overall quality not quite at the level of Celtic yet. Ange Postecoglou's injury woes. Talk about a night of bad luck from head knocks to hamstring twinges. It appears Celtic's treatment table will be very busy. Of course, all injured players will be well looked after in equal measure. However, there is no doubt the club will be sweating over the fitness of starman Kyogo Furuhashi the most. The striker started the night as a substitute, but had to come on when Albion Ajeti was forced off with a hamstring injury. The Japanese striker was as energetic as ever, but the sub himself pulled up towards the end of the second half with what looked like a hamstring injury. With a busy festive period come up, with none other than the League Cup final next weekend, and injuries to other forwards, Ajeti and Georges Gugiakomakis, Celtic will be hoping it's nothing too serious. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, December 10 Ewan Henderson on his dream night after netting first Celtic goal. 
report by Aidan Smith. Ewan Henderson admits it was a dream night as he netted his first Celtic goal during the Europa League win over Real Betis. The Parkhead midfielder replaced Kyogo Furuhashi late on and scored with his first touch as Ange Postecoglou's side ran out 3-2 winners. Henderson was delighted with his impact and he hopes it is just the start of a prolonged run in the Postecoglou plans. He said, I am obviously really happy with the goal. I have been working hard behind the scenes, so it's great to get my first goal for Celtic. It was the best feeling in the world. I was so happy. With Mikey Johnson setting me up, it was a great moment for the Youth Academy as we came through together. I've wanted to get my first goal since I came into the first team squad. I'm just delighted to get it. It's the way we play football. We love attacking. Sometimes it opens you up defensively, but we are scoring so many goals. All the boys are loving the way we are playing. It's been excellent since the manager came in. Celtic now enter the Europa Conference League and Henderson admits confidence is high within the Hoops camp. He added, all of the boys who played are working so hard in training. The standard is so high when you go in, everyone expects to step up and do well. Everyone got pass marks tonight, they were fantastic. It gives you a taste. When you come through the academy, you dream of playing for the first team, and hopefully there will be many more chances. It's good to win the last Europa League. There are so many games coming up that every player has done their bit to try to get on the team sheet. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Time Sport, December 10 Graham McGarry asks, Is Celtic star Kyogo the victim of an agenda or does he deserve diver label? Let me start off by clarifying a few things. Just on the faintest scintilla of a chance that Celtic manager Ange Postecoglou ends up reading this column. Maybe when he's bored on the toilet, for example, where I'm sure he'd find another use for it too. I am far from a big brave warrior. A couch-sitting observer of the game? Guilty as charged. Agenda-driven? I would categorically state not, though there will of course be those who disagree based on what school I went to, or the colour of my hair, or some such. The point is, that I don't think you need to necessarily fall into all or any of these categories mentioned by Postecoglou in order to think that Celtic striker Kyogo sometimes throws himself to the ground rather easily in order to get opposition players in trouble. Conversely, every word that Postecoglou used to describe the Japanese sensation in his defence of his player, was spot on. Kyogo has been a breath of fresh air in the Scottish Premiership. His electric movement is thrilling to watch. 
When you couple his undoubted abilities as a player with his off-field humility and infectious enthusiasm, then it is easy to see why the Celtic supporters have instantly taken him to their hearts. And he is brave, no doubt about it. That opposition teams are trying to stop him by means fair and foul is no shock to Postecoglou, who rightly said that his man is prepared to put himself in where it hurts in order to get on the end of balls against defenders who almost exclusively enjoy height and weight advantages over him. Again though, all of this can be true, and yet you can still think that Kyogo sometimes throws himself to the ground rather easily in order to get opposition players in trouble. Let's examine the incidents that seem to have landed Kyogo this unwanted reputation from some quarters. Whether it is unwarranted is up to the couch-sitting observer. Against Livingston, Kyogo went down when A.O. Obelai stupidly wafted a slap onto the back of his head, falling backwards theatrically and making sure that the referee was fully aware of what had taken place. Against Dundee, he initiated the merest of contact with Lee Ashcroft and again went down holding his head in the penalty area. Though in his defence, an earlier neck issue was later cited as having been aggravated in the incident. Then, against Hearts, he appeared to suffer what is known in the playground parlance as a nipple twister at the hands of John Souter off the ball, and again fell to the deck. Did any of these incidents merit the reaction they elicited from Kyogo? And perhaps more pertinently, were his intentions nefarious? I don't think any impartial observers to these incidents could deny with a straight face that he has gone down far too easily even if, by the letter of the law, in the Livingston incident at least, the correct outcome ensued. Only he really knows for sure, of course, but what matters in a material sense to Celtic is that it doesn't take much for such a reputation to stick to a player, and subsequently that his contact is judged in a harsher way by referees wary that he may be trying to con them. So while Postecoglou has been understandably keen to protect his player in public from allegations of play-acting or cheating, he may look to have a quiet word in his shell-like about avoiding such over-the-top reactions going forward. Otherwise, if he does get lamped one day, and it's hardly out with the realms of possibility, his reaction may not be taken at face value. In fairness, going by the highly unscientific evidence on social media, even Celtic fans are a little disappointed in some of the reactions from their player, who they are clearly devoted to. So that perhaps tells its own story. 
They are also right to point out, mind you, that rival supporters who are piously calling Kyogo a cheat have very short and selective memories. For example, just a couple of nights ago, Hibbs attacker Martin Boyle threw himself to the ground against Livingston in order to win a penalty when very little, if any, contact was made. Justice prevailed as he ballooned it over the bar, but the point stands. He conned the referee into thinking he had been fouled when he had not. Rangers fans are understandably all over each of these incidents involving Kyogo, but have cheered with glee when their own Glenn Kamara got Kilmarnock keeper Daniel Bachman sent off for a nothing incident at Ibrooks a couple of seasons ago. Or further back, when Kyle Lafferty famously got Charlie McGrew, then of Aberdeen, sent off for flicking his face with an eyelash as he blinked. Alfredo Morelos was once sent off in an old firm game for simulation, while Kyogo has yet to be cautioned for such an offence. We could go through all clubs in the country and cite such examples, so there is some sympathy with Postecoglou's point regarding an agenda if Kyogo is singled out. But he also cannot deny that his player is attracting such attention by consistently going to ground in such a manner. As with acknowledging the brilliance of the player while thinking he goes down too easily, both of these things can be true. Hopefully from here on in, Kyogo will concentrate in hurting his opponents the best way he can, with his outstanding abilities. If he does, the only thing people will be calling him is a brilliant footballer, which even the laziest couch-sitting observer can plainly see, says Graeme McGarry. Evening Time Sport, December 10. Hibbs manager target Alex Neal eyes future down south. Report by Ewan Payton. Alex Neal has dealt Hibbs a major blow in their search for a new manager, it has been reported. The Easter Road Club are on the hunt for a new boss after dismissing Jack Ross on Thursday morning. The former St Mirren gaffer was relieved of his duties by the Edinburgh outfit after a dismal run of results, with his side recording seven defeats in the last nine Premiership games. However, they do have the Premier Sports Cup final next Sunday against Celtic. This means the need to recruit a new manager has some extra urgency attached. The bookies installed former Hamilton gaffer Neil as the early favourite for the hot seat. However, according to the Daily Record, Neil is not keen on a return to Scottish football. Instead, they say the 40-year-old is eyeing his future down south, with Ipswich said to be interested in taking him on board. Now Hibbs owner Ron Gordon will need to turn his attentions elsewhere. Scottish Cup hero David Gray is in temporary charge of the first team. Report by Ewan Payton.
Evening Time Sport, December 10. Jamie Sneddon hails Kenny Arthur after winning Jags Player of the Month. Report by James Kearney. Jamie Sneddon had to wait years for an extended run between the sticks for Patty Thistle, and now that it has finally arrived, it is fair to say the 24-year-old has seized his opportunity rather convincingly. When he first arrived at Firhill from Cowdenbeath four years ago, he knew it would take time to make the number one jersey his own, but even he did not think it would take so long. It was only a few months ago that Sneddon became Ian McCall's first pick between the sticks, a decision that has paid off handsomely for the club and the player himself. A run of eight consecutive clean sheets, a club record, could be stretched to nine tomorrow afternoon when the Jags host Arbroath, and Sneddon highlighted the contribution of one coach in particular as crucial to his success. I have always felt my time here had been a bit stop-start, and I was beginning to think this season was going to be the same, says Sneddon. Thistle's McRae Financial Services Player of the Month for November, the second month in a row he's won the fans' award. But thankfully, I got back. Even then, I made a mistake at Inverness. It was a real low on the bus back down. But Kenny Arthur spoke to me, and I was able to get some perspective. He's been massive for me since I signed here. I think he had a big say in bringing me to the club. He watched me a few times for Cowdenbeath. There have been ups and downs, but as a goalkeeper coach, he's been huge for me in that respect. Not just training and coaching, but also the mental side of the game. He has helped me grow as a person. I was still a wee boy when I first signed here but we've grown up together in the last four years and I can't speak highly enough of him. He's a great guy and I owe a lot to him. He's been there and done it. He has a story for every occasion, but he always tells me the bad ones. I know he was probably a very good keeper, but he always tells me about the mistakes he made. He's very humble that way. Sneddon's contract is set to expire come the end of the season, but the man himself is confident of thrashing out an extension in the near future. McCall said last week that he expects his goalkeeper, central defender Tunji Akinola and striker Zach Rudden to commit their futures to the club imminently, but Thistle fans will have to wait a little longer until they can sleep a little easier at night. It's something that's getting talked about just now, but I leave that to the people around me, Sneddon said of the contract negotiations. I just want to concentrate on my football and enjoy being in the team and playing every week. I love playing for this club and I'm loving my football at the minute. Report by James Kearney. Evening Times Sport, December 10. Posticoglu on Kyogo 
it is not good as he makes Celtic injury admission. Report by Aidan Smith. Ange Postecoglou is sweating over the fitness of starman Kyogo Furuhashi after he limped off against Real Betis in the Europa League. The Celtic manager had planned to rest his striker, but an early injury to Albion Ajeti meant the Japanese international was thrown into the action after just 30 minutes. Kyogo later limped off and looked to be clutching his hamstring as he was replaced by Ewan Henderson on 70 minutes. Celtic will already be without Jota for the upcoming Premier Sports Cup final and it now looks like Kyogo will be on the sidelines. Postecoglou admitted, it is not good, we'll just need to see how he is. We would have preferred to maybe give Kyogo a bit of a rest, but with Albion also getting a hamstring issue, we are just going through a bit of a rough time at the minute. We are getting a few injuries. The amount of games we are playing is just ridiculous. We don't have the squad to deal with it. Luckily, we got 90 minutes into some guys tonight who will hopefully help us moving forward. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport, December 10. Rangers and Celtic coefficient update with Champions League place at risk. Report by Ewan Payton. It has been common knowledge for some time now that Rangers or Celtic look likely to earn an automatic spot in next season's Champions League. Currently, whoever goes on to win the Premiership title at the end of the season will enter the group stages of the 2022-23 UEFA competition. Not only will it be great for either team to be back in Europe's top tournament, it will land them a whopping £40 million. However, it is not all set in stone yet. It could all, of course, change. That comes down to Scotland's European coefficient ranking. Teams earn two points for a win and one for a draw. Finishing this season in the top 10 will guarantee the automatic Champions League place. The old firm registered positive results last night with a draw and a win respectively in the final matchday games of the Europa League groups. Rangers earned a draw away in Lyon, while Celtic came out on top in a five-goal thriller against Real Betis. Their fates were already determined prior to these matches though, with Rangers progressing to the Europa League last 32 and Celtic dropping down to the Europa Conference League. Rangers will face one of the third-placed Champions League teams in the next round. Due to results elsewhere yesterday, Scotland has dropped to 10th in the overall coefficient rankings. Scotland started the season in 11th place. Should they drop back out of the top 10, it would be likely that the automatic slot would no longer be up for grabs. So it is important that both sides continue to pick up good results in Europe 
after Christmas. There are 24 direct qualification places for the Champions League. Those are the league winners from the top 10 countries by coefficient, the runners-up from the nations ranked from 1 to 6, and the third and fourth teams from Europe's top four leagues. Then a further two places are reserved for the winners of the Champions League and the Europa League. Although if the winners of these competitions have already qualified, the automatic place moves down the coefficient list to outside the top 10. Russia has leapfrogged the Premiership thanks to the bonus points system in place for qualifying. So nothing is guaranteed quite yet. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Time Sport, December 10. Ryan Jack Injury Update. Report by Johnny McFarlane. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is currently unsure of the seriousness of Ryan Jack's latest injury setback. The midfielder was expected to play in Lyon last night, having been training with the squad for a few weeks and making it through a substitute appearance against Dundee unscathed on Saturday. But the dynamic midfielder suffered a problem ahead of last night's match that meant he was unable to take part. And the manager admits it's a waiting game to see when the key midfielder will return. He said, we will have to wait and see. He's getting the diagnosis in the next few days. We have to wait and I can't say anything about his injury yet, but I hope we will be able to do so soon. Report by Johnny McFarlane. Evening Time Sport, December 10. Van Bronckhorst picks key positives out of Lyon Europa League draw. Report by Chris Jack. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst reckons Rangers draw with Group A winners Lyon was another sign of the progress the champions are making under his guidance. The Dutchman extended his unbeaten run as manager to five matches as a Calvin Bassey own goal cancelled out Scott Wright's opener and ultimately denied his side victory on the road. Rangers now return to domestic duty when they face Hearts this weekend and continue a run of key fixtures that will shape their Premiership aspirations this term. And Van Bronckhorst is encouraged by the way the Light Blues are adapting to his new methods after a promising performance denied their League One hosts a clean sweep in the group. Van Bronckhorst said, We are flying straight back to Scotland to prepare for the next game. We are used to it. We will do everything we can in terms of recovery and we will also prepare tactically for Hearts, which is, of course, a tough game for us away. But I am confident about my team and the performance we have. Just now, it's a case to rest really well and prepare for Sunday. We were very happy with the performance, especially away from home in Europe, 
where it can be really tough. Of course, we faced a tough opponent, but I felt we were very brave. When we had ball possession, we liked to play our possession game from the back, and many times we had the right solutions. Overall, I'm really happy with the performance. I think in the second half, we didn't create so many chances. Also, Leon had some chances, but I am very happy with the message we showed as a team. We came here not to defend. We came here to play our game and develop our team because this is only my fifth game in charge with this team. So I am happy that they are picking up my style of play. In that aspect, I am very happy with the performance. Report by Chris Jack. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening. <laughs>